Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast, the podcast that brings wine to life with a smile. And I'm here, as ever, with my husband and fellow master of wine, Peter Richards. But in this episode, we're actually stepping into non-wine territory. Yeah, I'm not sure there's a, a master of non-wine there. <laughs> and it certainly isn't us, even if there is. You know. Well, we're going to have to do, though, because in this episode, we're, we're going to be looking at alternatives to wine. Is that, is that a heretical thought? We are indeed. Uh, you know, what to drink as wine lovers when we want time off the booze. Um, I know we're a bit late to dry January, but I have to say that's almost on purpose. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? Um, yeah, it is really. Because we're not great believers in dry January. It might not come as a surprise. No surprise But there. we are going to go into the reasons. There are reasons for that. We're going to go into that, but I think a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what really, yeah. But what really spurred us on to look into this was a question from our listener, John, and that was as follows. Hi, Susie and Peter. It's John here. Uh, really enjoying the podcast. Um, I love wine. And the better quality wine I buy, the more I tend to drink. And I wonder whether you've got any hints and tips for actually drinking less, particularly during these COVID times when it's all too easy to drink more than you intended. Anyway, any thoughts? Much appreciated. Cheers. Bye. It's a great question. Thanks so much, John. And, and thanks also for tuning in. Um, I think buying expensive wine can go one of two ways, can't it? You know, funnily enough, a lot of people would say you naturally tend to drink less uh, when it's more expensive, wouldn't they? I think yeah. because, because well, it's a bit more maybe reverential. Yeah. You tend to take your time a bit more over it when it's more expensive. So, John, you know, maybe there's an argument to going even more expensive, like eye-wateringly <laughs> expensive. So you definitely yeah, do not, slow down. This is you know, not the right way to go. Go big, go big. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> equally, I mean, equally though, as wine lovers, it's quite understandable wanting to drink more yeah, yeah. good quality stuff, especially right now when when things are mm. hard, as you say, John. And we all need a bit of escapism, a, a mm. morale boost. <laughs> um, anyway, so what are our hints and tips for drinking less? Yeah, I think that's what we're going to get into uh, in this episode, aren't we? Um, yeah. First up, I think what we're going to do is we're going to kind of spill the beans on our regime, aren't we? Now, now I say that it sounds quite grand. Now that I say that, it's like. It's we not do really. something special. It sounds fancy. It's, it's just how we try and maintain a healthy balance, I guess, isn't yeah. it, really? Um, and the reasons for doing what we do in that sense. Uh, we're also then going to hear from Stuart Elkington, founder of Dry Drinker, which is a fascinating story with some great tips in there too. Um, we'll also be talking to a producer of No and Low Wine. Now, I should just say at this stage, we're going to use the term no and low, as in no and low alcohol, to mean um, sort of booze that's under 0.5% alcohol or less. Um, it's, a, it's a generic term, it's a general one, partly because there's so much terminology about this, excuse me, <clears throat> and, and it gets very confusing. So we're just going to say no and low alcohol for anything under 0.5%, which may be 0% as well. Um, uh, that said, lastly, I think we are going to do a little bit of a tasting, aren't we? We of, are indeed. No and low options to try and recommend some things for hints and tips. We are indeed. Mm. We are indeed. So lots to fit in. Uh, so I think we should get going. Mm. Um, now, our our approach um, comes from a lot of trial and error uh, mm. and, of course, our own personal experience. Mm. But we are people who are, let's face it, more exposed to booze than most. So I think it holds water. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, all right, I'm going to take you back here. Do you remember doing uh, I think it was a month a whole month off the booze I and that was blank that 
many years Remember ago. Remember is a loose term in our world, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but you know, it was, yeah, I think it was, it was before any of, the, any of this was trending. It was before dry January even existed. I should existed. remember it, shouldn't I? You by should. the whole month of all, of all of your life, that should be the most clear <laughs> memories. Anyway, you know, we did it and, and we were so kind of smug, weren't we, to kind of realise that actually it didn't make that much of a difference. Well, firstly, that we could do it. Yeah, well, I mean, that <laughs> was, that was a massive And also, you know, that it didn't actually make that much of a difference. Yeah, but I mean, let's face it, that was pre-children. We were, mm. we were still young-ish, I think Ish, late 30s, maybe early 40s. Yeah. Then we had kids, became yeah, yeah. chronically sleep deprived, got a bit older, a bit more mm. frayed around the edges and and really did start to notice the difference that overindulging mm. or by contrast, staying off the booze had, didn't we? Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah. Really. I mean, totally, you know, and I think that that meant we started to take it seriously. Um, in a way we hadn't probably before. I think sometimes when you're young, you can you can gloss over these things. So for us, and that looking at that period, then you know the, the key is quality of sleep more than anything, yeah. isn't it? You know, Absolutely. I think we started to notice how alcohol really would affect our sleep. We feel far less refreshed in the morning, and therefore less able to deal with the kids or deal with each other. Frankly, <laughs> uh, probably with me. You know, and I think Nobody that was spoke. to do with alcohol kind of flattening the natural sleep curves you know giving less refreshing deep yeah. sleep so you just feel like, I mean it's, it's not it's tired. not all the time and not definitely um mm. you can't definitely put the two things together but I, I think there is generally you do tend to sleep better if you if you haven't mm. had any it's certainly alcohol. one of the areas we notice it most yeah anyway so we embarked actually which was slightly related to this on a, on a couple of years ago now on what we called our drink well eat well project uh, and that looked into wine and drinks to go with different kinds of lifestyles and diets whether it's vegan or vegetarian or so on and and one of the options that we looked into was the mediterranean diet and that threw up some pretty interesting kind of research yeah, it, was, it? it was absolutely fascinating doing this um you know essentially the mediterranean diet which we all know uh, recommends wine as part of, of the, the overall healthy diet. But, but, but the so key we is, thought, woohoo! <laughs> exactly, we had to look into this. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but, but the key is not too much and very regular. So a small amount every day with a meal. Yeah. You know, but as wine lovers, we wanted to know, well, what, what exactly does a small amount mean <laughs> exactly? You know, what's, what's our maximum tolerance? So we talked to the Deutsche Wein Academy, didn't we? The experts there. We did, and they yeah. said what that means a small amount means one to two glasses or units for women or two to three glasses or units for men with meals so what does that mean well, well for we a need wine to know because, at, exactly, because everybody's for, got different size glasses <laughs> glasses and units it can be yeah. confusing so for a wine at 14 percent alcohol that's around 175 milliliters maximum for women and 250 milliliters maximum for men daily with meals. Yeah. And if you're interested to know more, there is more information and mm. background on all of that, including a short video uh, on our website, susieandpeter.com. Just search for drink well, eat well. But essentially what we found, and this is, I think it's going to sound quite bizarre for a diet that recommends drinking wine every day, was that the Mediterranean diet was quite hard, wasn't it? Yeah, Surprisingly you know, so. It was, it was fine. Um, but you needed fresh, you know, good fresh ingredients, yep. which is not easy to get when it's winter and you don't live in the Mediterranean on the one hand. And on the drinks front, more importantly, 
it just got a bit kind of monotonous, didn't it? You mm. never really felt that you were allowed to enjoy yourself, you know, let your hair down. Measuring out our 175 mils. is really important to the human psyche. I think we kind of need that, actually, and that's important for our mental health. Uh, you know, and also I'd add in there that our sleep patterns weren't always the best either, were they? With that? Not really, no. Yeah, but I mean, but equally, let's face it, the boom and bust approach, I think mm. we all know just isn't that healthy. You know, mm. taking the week off booze to then go crazy at the weekend, which I, I think is quite a common approach Um, and I think it's also why we don't really like dry January because it it tends to encourage that swing from abstinence to indulgence Mm -hmm. and you know frankly it's it's at the bleakest time of year anyway (laughs) particularly this year in lockdown yeah Um, which is why I think we've seen you know in the press haven't we the the, the reports of people giving up on dry January in in record numbers this year you know and the stats from KAM Media via uh, the buyer something like 15.7 million UK adults that's about I think 30% of UK adults intended to to do do dry January this year, but nearly 5 million changed their mind before the 1st of January uh, and 2.7 million had given up by the 6th of January. So that's quite a high attrition rate. I mean, to be honest, you can understand the kind of boom and bust approach from a lifestyle point Mm. of view, but but not really from a health perspective. No, it doesn't really work in that sense. Uh, We can understand why why people do it. It's, It's understandable. You're working in the week and then you want to enjoy yourself the weekend. But it's not the approach that works well from a health point of view. Um, so what we've done is we've devised a sort of middle ground, you know, that gives us nights off so we feel virtuous and get that all-important restorative sleep we talked about. But it also uh, allows us to indulge a little bit too. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. No, yeah. no, no. And, and I think so you, so you could call it the, the happy medium approach. Yeah. Um, or I actually think about it. We could also use the acronym PHOTO mm-hmm. because our approach is four on three off. So four nights on the booze, three nights off in a week. Now, this doesn't necessarily, well, actually, most importantly, it's not in a row. So, um, mm. I mean, you can you can fit this around what suits you best. But for example, we almost always have Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday nights off, and then we drink or, or taste or whatever on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And, and being really honest, I think we tend to drink a tiny bit more on, on the Friday and the Saturday. We definitely or do. Both, you know, yeah, let's be we honest. Than we would on a Monday really and Wednesday, yeah. to be honest. Which might not be best from a rigorous health perspective, but, you know, it just allows us that all-important kind of release at the end of the week, uh, which we all enjoy. And I think, yeah. actually, a lot of us a lot of us need, you know, especially when homeschooling has been <laughs> But this is, this is what, I mean, we should say this, this, this sort of approach has really only been something we've done absolutely rigorously since lockdown. And, and mm. it, it just works for mm. us. It mm. works really, really well. Yeah, and yeah, I think really we are drinking less. And actually, we, we, we know we're drinking slightly less because we've done an intake diary intake for you, diary. John. Two, two um, words to strike fear <laughs> into the heart of any one Oh, of my Lord. We've actually written down. <laughs> We did, it. We, did it. we did it for you, John. You made us do it. <laughs> so we can share how this works out Let's share. now. Let's, Let's share. share. Let's okay. share in well, terms of our overall stats, consumption. So, uh, so the UK government, let's look at that. The UK yeah. government recommends no more than 14 units per week for women and men. It used to be mm. 21 for men, but we're all down to 14, 14 now. now. Yeah, yeah. And just to clarify, one unit is 10 millilitres of pure Alcohol. Yeah, which just reminds me, we should point out at this uh, stage to recommend Drinkaware as a really yeah, good website with source. loads of good, helpful information yeah, on. Yeah. If you're confused about what units are and how much is good, then drinkaware.com is a really good, good source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we worked out that we drank just over six litres in 15 days, which averages out. Well, it sounds yeah. a lot, okay. but um, yeah, we were quite excited <laughs> about this because it averages out at four, 400 millilitres a day for both of us, mm-hmm. which is approximately two units each. Each 
sorry, two units each per day. So mm. 14 a week. Not bad. <laughs> I bet, this sounds like we've it's made a bit it up, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's, a bit it's ridiculously surprising. It sounds surprising. like a conversation with our GP, doesn't it? <laughs> But actually, are you serious? We it yeah. was about yeah. fourteen. Yep. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to like confess up here. It sounds like we're cooking the books here. Confess up here because you were ill. You were ill yes. for at least yeah. two or three days, yeah, which meant is... you drank nothing at all. Uh, so yes. it was only my intake that got put in there. Not, there are obviously in. no parties at mm-hmm. the moment. We don't have people around for for yeah, supper at the point. weekends. There's yeah. no big work tastings. So to be fair, however smug we might sound about this with our fourteen fourteen, um. Most weeks it would probably be higher. Let's, I think almost it would certainly higher. higher. <laughs> um, but, and, and, and not just most weeks. Every week. yeah. but, you know, so we need to not, think about let's that. Let's not tell the doctor. But yeah, it is worth paying. But it's interesting just to do that intake diary, isn't it? And I think yeah. actually, if yeah. you want to try, it, it's worth having a look at because it can be quite interesting. Yeah. You might find I'm your sure less. I'm sure loads of people have done it already, but yeah. But anyway, it, it does seem that, that this approach is working um, yeah, it for, works for, for us. us, isn't it? And I think one of the things we've been trying to do is, is to savour the wine we do drink even more. I mean, this sounds simplistic. It might sound slightly patronising, but... You know, we're talking. We're going to talk about no and low options, but actually, just enjoying the wine you do drink—the the full fat wine, if you like. Why, you know, try and savor it as much as you can. And and one way we do this bizarrely is is we make sure when we're pouring ourselves a glass of wine, this is really simple. But we're also topping up or pouring another non-alcoholic drink alongside it every time. So so yeah. you know, we're big fans of sparkling water. Oh um, oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Peter and his Soda Stream. We I, know you love. love your I, I am in soda love. It's, it's a mad passion. Your favourite ever Christmas it, present. I think, fa- I think it's one of my favourite ever Christmas presents. It's very romantic. It takes me back to my youth. But anyway, you know, whatever works for you, really. Just but make sure you've got a non-alcoholic drink alongside that glass of wine, and then try to alternate. You know, sips or glugs of wine. With the alcohol-free alternative, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think, it's quite simple. I think particularly in that sort of end-of-day cooking supper moment of, of weakness, yeah, uh, yeah, when yeah. you've finished work, you're just gagging mm. for a glass. I think if you can get through that, you just naturally slow down with the meal, mm. don't you? Mm. And I think, well, you know, that's where we're coming on to, isn't it? You know, what we drink on those all-important nights off. But that pre-dinner... Moment of weakness, I love that. Should be an acronym, shouldn't it? Mo. 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 My Mo uh, moment. My Mo moment. <laughs> you know, because I think, you know, life gets very boring if you don't have delicious things to look forward to, you know, and more importantly, things that are delicious from a wine lover's perspective is what we really want to get yeah, into, isn't yeah. it? So, so what are they? Yeah. So we're going to do a tasting on that front, which should be fascinating and hopefully useful in terms of recommendations. But first, let's hear from Stuart Elkington. He's the founder and managing director of Dry Drinker. It's a company that claims to offer the UK's largest range of non-alcoholic beers, wines and spirits. Now, Stuart was a, a big wine and beer drinker and worked in the trade, but he's now been dry for eight years. Mm. Um, and I started by asking him why he set up Dry Drinker in the first place. Dry Drinker came out of a bet, really. Um, I was working for a pub company and uh, my wife and I were tra- trying for a family And we'd been trying for about three years. And one of our friends recommended that we see uh, a bit of an off-the-wall dock in London, which we kind of uh, reluctantly went to to see him. And and basically, he said, um, you know, you're in your forces. It takes a little bit of time. But do you know what? Why don't you just try two things? He said to me, look, if you stop drinking for three months... And then he said to my wife, if you drink a little bit more, I think we can get you relaxed and we can really get you sort of not focus on this baby thing and, and give it a go. So you can imagine, I, I thought he'd got the advice the wrong way around. <laughs> I was um, going to say. But, uh, so I walked out there quite shell-shocked. and um, You got the short straw, didn't you, there? 
Well, I can't. Well, listen, we were we were we were obviously desperate to have a family. We'd lived abroad, and yes, we probably did drink too much. And uh, and and I said, yeah, no, I'll give it a go. And and of course, in those three months, most people at work thought there was something wrong with me. This was sort of eight eight years ago now. Uh, why aren't you drinking? And um, anyway, th- three months had gone by, and uh, and she fell pregnant. And from that moment on, it was kind of you know you get into this sort of counting. Uh, dates mode when you're kind of first time parents you know you're waiting for 12 weeks then 20 weeks and then the baby's born and then you don't know what you're doing for a year and I kind of forgot I'd not drank for about a year and it was quite a revelation really but I knew that the that actually when I did want that kind of arm moment there wasn't really a selection out there so we were on holiday in Spain and um, I I remember my, my wife was five months pregnant and we drove to Spain and we're sitting on this beach and this guy came up to us from the, the, um, the hotel and said, would you like a beer? I said, oh, what have you got? He said, oh, I've got San Miguel on draft. So we were both sitting there. She was five months pregnant, having a couple of pints, thinking this is great. <laughs> and really, uh, and over a period of time at work, people used to say, uh, have you stopped drinking? I used to say, oh, no, no, I drink dry. And then I kind of said, I don't like that word. So I flipped it to dry drinker and I got a bit of a nickname within the company because I probably may have had a reputation for drinking. But anyway, so I was now the dry drinker and and that's how it all started. I thought there must be a lot more people than me that are just wanting to kind of not give up, but maybe change the way they drink. But but don't like I don't want to preach to anybody. I just wanted to kind of present the beers in the same way that the other alcohol drinks are presented so that's kind of in a nutshell how it, how it started so so essentially you know your, your wife got pregnant you stopped drinking she drank a bit more she got yeah. pregnant she's um, still doing that today though she, she's still she i keep saying that advice is now nine years old you don't need to keep taking <laughs> it are you do you drink now no funny enough i never went back it it's so odd i honestly thought that uh it was going to be for a short period of time and there was no, there was no long term plan. It was just how it happened, and uh, and I get what I kind of need now from from alcohol free beer, you know, or, or whatever we're stocking, and it's it's quite a, yeah. It, it, sometimes it, uh, when I think about it, it does surprise me. But so- I've gone eight years now, and I can honestly tell you, I just don't think I'll go back. So you moved from working in the the, the trade as it were the mm. wine spirits trade and then yep. you set up dry you moved away from that set up dry drinker how, how so eight years on how is business going how is the no low category well yeah so i so this i'd stopped for eight years but actually dry drinker in its uh we're kind of three and a half years old so i, I kind of carried working on on in the trade and then uh, at one point you, you know you have that moment where every good idea you never do. And it's always the wrong time, isn't it? And, and actually, when we had our son, very quickly, we had our daughter. So we kind of, um, so actually, you know, you have to put the line in the sand sometimes and say, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, see, you know, start my own business. So three and a half years. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. The um, We've obviously uh, seen an explosion of, of alcohol-free uh, products coming onto the market. And I think there's a, there's a lot more acceptance now of actually uh, customers opening their minds to the fact there could be a different way of drinking. Um, 
we we really aim for drinkers, not non-drinkers, because most people that uh, buy from us now, and certainly over the last year of um, uh, of going through the pandemic, people just want to blend their drinks. You know, they they like the alcohol-free option in the in the week, and then they can have, um, as they call it, a proper drink at the weekend. So, and, and on that note, actually, what effect do you think lockdown has had? I mean, has it made people drink more? As you say, people probably got into a bit of a pattern, but are they actually drinking more Nolo or is it less? Is it more alcohol or just more of everything? I, th- I think it's interesting. I think there was certainly for the, the as we found, we found the first lockdown last March. I, I think there was a, a real kind of holiday feel around the first four weeks of uh, everyone's at home. It was a real lockdown. You know, you could open that bottle of something at four o'clock possibly and shut the laptop a little bit earlier. Uh, and of course the weather was good, but we found then after that, the, you know, our sales sort of grew phenomenally. And I think people were, were kind of thinking, crikey, we can't, if this goes on for another three months, we can't carry on like this. You know, is there another way? But I, I, but I like the taste. And I think that that's kind of, um, you know, uh, for us, where we had that phenomenal growth was kind of middle of March, beginning of April, where I think certainly when I was talking to my neighbours over the recycling, it was taking a bit longer than normal. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you're thinking, crikey, this shouldn't take me half an hour. But uh, so I think that that's that's certainly for us when when I think it was set into people's minds. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? When you say if it, the the three months, you think, God, if it only had been three months. Um, but what what are your then? What are your best selling products? What do people like the most? So at the moment, what we're seeing is certainly we're seeing uh, lots of new customers coming in, and I think what they're doing is really investing in their non drinking. So we actually see you know uh, an average order that's they're trying some beers, they're trying some wines, they may be looking at the non alcoholic. Um, uh, spirit ranges so well. yeah so so they're really just dipping into those categories and actually saying do you know what if I'm going to do it I'm going to I'm not just going to stick with my boring you know case of 12 beers so you know that that's and we're, we're then seeing what they like when they come back and they can buy with confidence so uh, I must say that probably last year it was more of the the kind of beer market obviously the the summer and the good weather you know did drive that uh, the you know the lagers and the ipas but we are seeing lots more interest in alcohol free wine and we've certainly seen this this dry january where actually our, that category uh, is up about 30% on last year where people are willing to give uh, you know, new categories ago. Do you think that? Do you think that's because what the wine is getting better? Because I know, I mean, the beer and spirits non-alcohol market, they, they, those guys have done really well with product. When you look at the wine, it's lagged behind. Is that changing? Are there are there some better products now on the market? In your opinion? Yeah, there the, the, the certainly are. Certainly from three or four years ago, and they're only getting better. I mean, wine drinkers, uh, as an ex-wine drinker myself, you know, the, the, the number one question we get is, um, I drink a 13% Melbeck, um, what would you recommend? Uh, and I always say a 13% Melbeck because, you know, <laughs> w- w- I don't have a silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. But I think, you know, when when the customer reads the product pages and understand they are going to lose something, you know, uh, the flavour is there. They actually take it for what it is. You know, it's very Marmite, uh, the 
the kind of customer reviews. People absolutely rave about it and say, do you know what? I'm, I was really surprised. This is not bad. This is great. Or, of course, you get the other end of the spectrum. Uh, absolute rubbish, Ribena, you know, tipped it down the drain. So I think once customers understand it's not a like for like, it's a different category, you know, and I always say, look, I drink most of my alcohol free wine with food. And, and that's where I get, uh, you know, most enjoyment and pleasure from it. So, so we had um, Stuart, we had a listener question, uh, John, one of our listeners, he said he loves his wine, um, but he wants to drink less. Um, what would be your tips to help him do that? And do you have any specific products that you, I know you sell a range of products, you probably prefer not to say you prefer one over the other, but are there some that you would really recommend? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great question. And, and do you know, when I started Dry Drink, I was, because I was a real beer lover, that's the, the thing that I really stuck with. And actually, um, at that time, uh, I didn't want to introduce wine because I didn't think it was it was quite there yet to actually sort of put the stamp of approval. But so when I did, I wanted to make sure that um, some of the brands that we sell may not be familiar uh, to UK customers. So we sell in singles. I always su suggest to our customers, you know, buy a range of reds and whites uh, and build your own box to your own budget. And you will find one of your flavors, you, your favorites in that box. Um, I do have my personal favorites, but the, the pre-mix cases we've kind of created to, you know, with the customer and uh, in mind to give them a variety of grape and a variety of taste. So they will hopefully find a great red or a great white. So we've got wines that start at $6.99 and we have a, a, a sparkling that, that ends at $15.99. So hopefully we've got something in there that will uh, that John will, will find and enjoy. Now, do you, do you know, that's an interesting one. Just just picking up on the price point there. Do you do you feel that Nolo should be a sort of a premium priced product? Um quite a few of the products tend to be quite highly priced, even though obviously they don't pay any alcohol duty. But do you think there certainly needs to be an element of aspirational pricing? So you think you're drinking something as special as a glass of wine? Uh, yeah, the pricing is interesting. Um, I mean, pricing generally across alcohol-free uh, is an interesting point. And I kind of answer it that, you know, there is there's still a process and a price to pay for for making uh, for making any drink and, and just because it's alcohol free doesn't mean it's any less than versus any other any other drink and actually you know the economies of scale are a lot less than their alcohol uh, counterpart so there is a little bit of uh, there's a, a bit of cost to pay in there as well I think I mean most well all of our wine that that we uh, that we stock, we have to import it from Europe and, and further afield from the States or from Chile. So, you know, there is a price to pay for quality. So that's why we try and have that, that kind of range. But you, you do pay for what you get in, in anything you buy. And I think, um, I think how we've tried to price all our drinks is, um, is a reflection of, of the quality that we sell. And just, just moving on, given, we're, given the time of year that it is right now, um, dry January what's your opinion of dry January I think it's a it's a great introduction I mean I, I, there's, I, I do I kind of do agree with people sometimes when they say it should be dry July because January is pretty depressing anyway isn't it so we have to try and give up everything and uh you know but I'll I tell you what that we've had 
lots and lots of interest from new customers that just want to give it a go. And I, I think it's a great opportunity for people to try new things. And I know it's uh, try January and, and a vegan month as well. So uh, I think, you know, we, we've certainly seen a lot of people try it. Um, there's obviously the other festivals that they sober October and, and, and other things. I, I think it's a great way of showcasing what the alcohol-free uh, community can do and, and what's out there and certainly uh, push it in a very positive way. And as I say, we, we just try and we're a beer, wine and spirit company with just different numbers on the back end uh, without any preaching. And it's all about taste. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a positive thing. And uh, if more people uh, are trying to reduce their alcohol intake, then that can only be a good thing. Do you think do you think it should be a sort of more of a springboard then to a, a life that is based a little bit more on no and low as opposed because, you know, a lot of people argue, look, you shouldn't really just give up for a full month and then go straight back. You know, it's far better to just gradually integrate into your whole life pattern a bit more no and low. You're, you're absolutely right. We, we as you know, I, I previously mentioned that the, the, we call them the blenders, you know, the the kind of money to Friday alcohol free warriors and then they drink at the weekends. And, you know, when I spend or used to spend some time in Europe with our brands, you know, they, they kind of laugh at us that um, they kind of we haven't kind of understood that start the night with a couple of alcohol free, have a couple of pints and then finish off with alcohol free. So, you know, I think you're right. It is. A, it's just a great introduction uh, to a new way of drinking and actually show showcasing products when there will be times when you can't drink, maybe, you know, uh, pregnancy or, you know, you may have been recovering from an illness, but you still miss that flavor or just something. Look, I've got an early stop, but the football's on. I want a couple of pints. So there's, there's obviously so many different reasons for, um, uh, for, for how you drink and what you drink. And, uh, yes, you're right. It should be more of a, a showcase festival rather than a thou shalt not uh, drink in January. Now, now I'm going to I'm going to say that I, I will admit that my drink of choice when it comes to no low. Um, so I'm going to confess here is the Seedlip Grove 42 with a, 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 an ice cube, a bit of uh, orange zest and cucumber tonic. So I'm going to admit that, Stuart, I, I need what is your drink of choice? Uh, that's an, I, I tell you what I've been really enjoying uh, in January because my wife is doing dry January. Um, so I will be getting a text. I, I, I assume as it's a Friday, don't forget my order. Um, <laughs> but we're actually really enjoying uh, the, the lies, um, alcohol free spirits. And we've really got into the American malt uh, with, uh, with a fever tree cola. Uh, and actually um, that's been a real change because we can get a bit selling our, I'm, you know, I, I'm a beer lover through and through. So I kind of then sort of always hit, hit the beers, but those, those spirits I've kind of got into and, and something I didn't realize I missed was that as you, as you uh, say in your drink, is that kind of pre-dinner drink? Cause I always used to have that when I was drinking. So actually re reconnecting with the, some of the, um, uh, the ready uh, made drinks like the clean and co gin and tonic has been, has been nice and I can actually feel my appetite growing a little bit when I when I'm actually drinking it waiting you know while we're just chatting and and dinner is on the stove and it, it's it's kind of a, a really nice feeling after a, a long week just to have that kids are in bed and uh, 
and, and just to have that moment. Gets your taste buds going. Finally, Stuart, um, what do you think is the future for No and Low? I, I think it will just be part of, of what we do uh, and it will be accepted you know, how uh, accepted in our, our in our society that um, you know we will see more and more alcohol-free options uh, in every in every walk of life in every uh, sort of store and will be ready available and it will be part of the culture. It, it will be you know we're, we're having nights off or we, we'll have a couple of pints of alcohol-free beer at the local pub, um, and I think that the quality of, of drink would just be better. But you know that that's you know it, it's it's. You know, when I tell my, you know, you know, even the guys that work in the warehouse, when I tell them we used to smoke on planes, you know, it's sort of that mind blowing. And we used to smoke in pubs, you know. So I think that's it, it will just be just part of who we are. And, and we will look at alcohol in a different way. We'll still enjoy alcohol. And, and I'm a great we should enjoy alcohol. But again, it's how we can use that. Uh, we can sort of interweave alcohol free uh, with alcohol and I think we'll we'll learn to do that a lot um, much better than we've previously done. Stuart Elkington thank you so much. Thank you. So a new way of drinking mm. uh, was what he said wasn't it? I think. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, it's a really interesting way of thinking about it you know, it's, it's not just no drinking um, it's just a new way of drinking and, and I think to a certain extent it's true isn't it you know it's partly this whole thing is about mindset, you know, especially at this kind of early stage of development in a lot of the drinks. Um, you can't expect no and low wine just to taste like a normal wine. It's not that. You've, you've got to kind of come at it from a different point of view. Yeah, and I mean, he really does make a good point about customers needing to realise that it's it's not a like-for-like substitution and that what's referred to as non-alcoholic wine should actually be considered just a different drink to normal wine. Um, mm-hmm. But it would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, surely that would be the holy grail, an alcohol-free wine that, that tastes just like normal yeah. wine. <laughs> yes. oh, can you so imagine? Also, I, it's Is funny. it possible? You can think of it both ways, though, can't you? Um you know, the gentle buzz that you get from alcohol is, is kind of part of the joy, the charm yeah. of wine, you know, and, and apparently also part of its health giving effect as well. The alcohol, it's not just the polyphenols, it's actually the alcohol in the wine can be part of the, the health giving effect. Although yeah. it would be good to have the science clarified I think we need a bit, a bit more. more. Yeah, yeah. Um, more but that does seem that. to be the case, isn't it? But generally, I agree, you know, wouldn't it be amazing on the nights off, you can have a, a, a no and low alternative to wine that tastes just as good, but doesn't have the booze. Yeah, but I mean, the, but the problem is, okay, with beer, you're taking out, say, four to 5% alcohol mm. with wine mm. if you're trying to de-alcoholize it you're taking out 12 to 14 percent and it's mm. hard to make that balance work mm. you know i mean in wine I, I, the key components that make up a, a balanced taste are alcohol fruit acid mm. tannin in red wines mm-hmm. i mean if you take out one of those key pillars mm. you're going to fundamentally affect the balance and and you don't just want to replace that with sugar because that mm. changes mm. the taste um, yeah, i mean not yeah. to mention making it less healthy yeah, yeah but i mean they, but they can make it work with, with you know the, the spirits or so-called spirits you know the distillates yeah like seed lip for example um you but know, you've they, got mixes added in yeah no fair enough fair enough i mean you know but equally that's not you know with something like seed lip it was just it was a new product a new category so it shows what can be achieved with a bit of imagination and yeah. creativity doesn't it so you know i i think it's generally true to say that the beer and alcohol-free spirits or whatever you want to call them have been way ahead of wine in terms of product development definitely you? you know so it would be really interesting to see is what happens now with wine in the next 
say, you know, decade or two. Yeah. Um, especially given, you know, if, if you think back to where alcohol-free beer was 10 or 20 years ago, but and how far it's come, you know, since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. amazing, you know. Yeah. We've got to stage now where AB InBev, you know, one of the biggest giant uh, Brewers, beer makers, yeah. is forecasting it will be 20, um, no alcohol beer, will be 20% of profits by 2025. That's massive. Yeah. Anyway, so at this point, and, and just before our tasting, I think it would be good to hear very mm. briefly from a producer of No and Low Wine. Uh, Sin Zero is a new Chilean brand uh, making sparkling white and red No Low wines uh, mm. that have actually really impressed us mm, haven't they yep. um and since cecilia cecilia. Cecilia, cecilia pratt is their commercial director that's right yeah cecilia has a long history in the wine trade but then she became fascinated uh by the potential of the no and low market and, and this was an interview i recorded last year um and it's just a snippet but it's well worth the listen you know i asked cecilia what the secret to making good no and low wine is the main issue to have a good product is to have a good wine behind it Mm-hmm. Okay, we cannot get a good alcohol-free product if the main or the, the mother wine is, is regular or is not good. For example, the, the Cabernet Sauvignon that we choose, it was uh, from Maipo Valley. The quality of the Cabernet Sauvignon from Maipo is much more uh, appreciated than the, for example, Central Valley. And the Maipo Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, we also used, it has four months in French oak barrels. 20% of the blend has, uh, has been four months in French oak barrels. So the quality behind that wine is at least in cost, I think 20% superior than the regular wines. Now, this okay. is an important point, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people in the past have said, well, if we're going to do non-alcoholic wines, why use top grade wines? Let's save that for the normal wine. And for the non-alcoholic wine, we'll use just basic stuff. Now, it's been obvious that that's been the results have been catastrophic. I mean, they just haven't yeah. tasted very nice. Now, you're saying you're using premium quality fruit. So not just Chilean Cabernet, Central Valley Cabernet. It's this Maipo Cabernet, which is a, uh-huh. a really well-known area for Cabernet. And then you're, you're aging it in oak barrels, which is another yeah. expense. And and when I tasted it, that, that came through in the wine. It, it tasted like Maipo Cabernet, and it tasted like Maipo Cabernet with oak, which was wonderful. But then the question is, what are you doing really? The, the alcohol, when you take alcohol out of wine, it really does leave a hole in the flavor, in the palate profile. And the last thing you want to have to do is to resort to lots and lots of sugar. Now, sugar is the one thing that you can replace a little bit of mouthfeel with. What are you doing in that sense? Because you're also making sparkling wine as well, aren't you? Yes. Well, we basically, the, the, the difference is that we use just natural products, Peter. We use concentrate grape uh, must to correct the acidity, but we do not add any other things. Uh, the mother wine has to be, or the original, that has to be good. And, and what I'm saying to the people is you cannot expect to have the, the, skim, the skimmy milk is not the same as the creamy milk. So you have to go with the idea that, that the products are different. So, so you, for you, it's important that consumers recognize that they're not going to replicate, they're not going to have the taste yeah. of a normal wine. This is different context. Yeah, different. The, the, the idea is that it's a complement. We're, we're always saying that this is a complement to the wine industry. We do not want to be a competitor. What we want is the people that today is drinking Coke, or is drinking a beer, uh, wants to drink uh, a wine, and they have the possibility to drink it without the alcohol. But we don't want to uh, compete with the 
enormous amount of wines that are quite good in the world. And we want to be a complement of that. And the idea is only to, to have natural products inside, uh, not um, replace the volume of the alcohol. You will never have it. can't expect skinny milk to taste the same as creamy milk. <laughs> really love the way you Good way of looking at it. Um, and of course, you can always treat yourself, can't you, to the odd bit of full-fat wine in our approach? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We can indeed. We wanted to get into the alternatives now, though, didn't we? So, um, yeah. and one wine that did impress us <clears throat> was Sincero, wasn't it? And that was why we we, we set up the call with yeah, Cecilia. Yeah. You know, um, particularly, particularly the red. The, the red, yes. Exactly. I was going to say the red, enough, yeah. Which, you know, isn't the style that naturally, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I must be, <clears throat> my throat's gone dry because of all these dry, dry <laughs> drinks. <in there. laughs> the dry drinker. <clears throat> um, particularly the Maipo Cabernet. The, the, you know, yeah. it actually tasted like Maipo Cabernet. Yeah, yeah. Know, which, um, which I know that sounds a silly thing to say, but it is quite surprising because really uh, so few uh, non-alcohol or de-alcoholised wines do taste, taste exactly. like wine. You know, so, yeah, the fizz yeah. was, was all right fizz as well, was good it? too, you know, A little yes, bit sour, yeah. But, yeah. but at least it was dry. Yeah. Um, anyway, both of those are about £9.49 at the Dry Drinker. Yeah. But I th- although I have checked the website and it doesn't seem that Dry Drinker's got the red at no. the moment. So fingers crossed but they the might fizz. get it back might in. Might be getting it back in. You can look at it elsewhere. Clearly it's too popular. Uh, But yeah, Cecilia's point about sourcing good quality, expensive wine to make the Cabernet was Mm. really telling, Mm. wasn't it? Mm. Um, It's almost like until now, a lot of producers have perhaps used pretty basic quality grapes to make these wines. I I think that's that's been... But, you know, it stands to reason that that producers using top quality fruit will make much Mm. better no and low wines. Mm. Um, Mm. So I reckon, okay, I, I reckon we need... Bollinger or Chateau Petrus or, or Ridge or whoever to start doing trials. Imagine what that could lead Demented to. Demented Romani Conti. No, no, I see that would be, <laughs> no that, would low. be that would be something. Oh dear, that, you know, that's heresy. Imagine where it go. We'd love to see that. You know, because often with wines, what you do get. So just to very basically explain, you know, wine is not grape juice. The, the transformation between grape juice and wine is a transformation not just involving alcohol, but it's also a flavour transformation. So yeah. if you try and make no alcohol from grape juice, it doesn't taste like wine because it hasn't had that transformation. So what people have to do is ferment because you don't just get the alcohol from the fermentation. You get those complex flavours that make wine wine and then take out the alcohol. But the problem is the process of taking out that alcohol often leaves you with this. It's quite identifiable, isn't it? It, um, it is it's an odd. Of, so it's a raw pastry yeah, smell. Yeah, wet or, cardboard. Or, exactly. Yeah, is that kind yeah. of just and once you notice it you can't stop that's the problem is it? once you once you've identified it so you I go oh i can smell it everywhere that's one of the challenges that, that people need to do yeah. but i think starting yeah. with good quality wine yeah. will be a really good uh, you know yeah because i mean we've tasted wine. a lot of low and no stuff over the last <laughs> few years and a lot of it is hard to drink mm. um mm. and and to be fair as we've said wine is still quite a long way behind beer and spirits in the no and low sector yeah, but it is changing it's changing all the time and i think partly because there's so much interest from producers to invest and to get it right um mm-hmm. that the the best thing i think you can keep doing as a, as a consumer of, of these um, drinks is to just keep looking for new products because there are new ones all mm, the time and at a basic level my top tip would be try as many as you can find mm-hmm. really yeah, i think it's worth it you know so and i think with that in mind there are certain styles that suit no low alcohol better That's than true. others aren't yeah. you know so yeah. things like fizz sparkling yeah. wine 
and rosé seem to be two styles that work well for wine. In our experience, yes. Um, yeah. Reds and whites are a bit harder. It's yeah. not to say like, like with a Sincero, yeah, yeah. you can't get it right. But, you know, I think um, of the wines we've tasted, the ones we'd say which are pretty decent, good enough to recommend a sort of Adnums have a good uh, 0.5% Garnacho rosé. They do Adnums. Um, yeah, in, uh, Frenchinette, Frenchinette Leggero. Which is about five or six uh, quid at Morrison's or Ricardo is okay. Uh, Torres, Sangria de Toro White, uh, which is about five quid at Majestic, is is decent as well. Also, actually, what we've tried recently was this, I've got the bottle here, Mm. Einspice Zero, which is uh, Light's German producer. Um, And so they they make a Riesling that they call Einspice Dry, um, because it's a dry Riesling. Mm. But then they've brought out this Light's Einspice Zero, um, which it's got really nice packaging. I'm just going to pour myself a little bit here. Um, and it's it's got a very it's very refreshing it's very it sort is. of yep. green apple yep. um, and and you know it doesn't taste exactly like wine but it is very citric clean fresh if you want just something to uplifting and, and as an alternative I think this is a good one it's about six ninety nine at Waitrose I'm feeling very refreshed having mm. had that mouthful it's, you know you can also get it in cans which is quite fun as well now I think actually you can yeah, but, yeah. Um, and, and, and there's fizz as well yeah, a there's, there's, there's a pretty decent sparkling wine which yeah. is about 10 quid at, at Jeroboam's and Waitrose, yeah. which is well worth trying as well. So, and I had a long chat to him. Um, he's Johannes Light. Johannes, he's a lovely, slightly mad guy. Um, absolutely brilliant though, and he's put a lot. And he was grumbling about how he's worked his ass off in his in his terminology to sell his his, his normal riesling, and he's got so far. But actually, how many just, years has in, he been doing in, that? In a, in a long time. In a very few years, his non-alcoholic riesling has gone through the roof, and he hasn't really tried to sell it at all. So oh. it's quite an interesting. Oh, you know, it shows you it? Yeah. how popular these drinks, yeah. how how much demand there is for there, it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and okay. So uh, you know, I think one obvious point to make about about wines. If you want to stick within the wine arena, um, just look for naturally lower alcohol wines is another approach to do. So, for example, an off-dry German Riesling, a Hunter Valley Semillon, I don't know, a, a Chilean Pais. There are lots of options yeah. and, and lots of places you can find those recommended. You know, cooler climate wines I was going to say in general, exactly. if you go to cooler climate, you're, slightly, you're, you're, you're much more likely to get just a slightly lower alcohol. Naturally less alcohol, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So think about cool climate places around the world. I mean, we're you not know, talking here about 4% or anything. We're still talking no, we're wine. Still, yeah, wine, yeah. if you're going to call it wine, it needs to be 8%. I think legally it's 8%, legally. isn't it? Unless derogations exist. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, you can also... There are some really interesting halfway houses at the moment, aren't yeah. there? Like things like the Doctors brand from New Zealand. So, so these are New World people. These New are Zealand. New Zealand. Um, he, John Forrest, uh, his doctor, hence, hence the term. Yeah. He, he and he's developed ways to reduce the alcohol naturally, yeah. which is really, really interesting. Both working in the vineyard, um, well, mainly working in the vineyard actually. And, and the doctor has really good Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir. So, so if you see yeah. that, do try it. It's quite a striking label. Yeah. One ones we tried recently, wasn't it? Was the Brancot Estate Flight Sauvignon Blanc yeah. at nine percent. So again, New um, Zealand. Yeah, and which I I tried that one as part of my lighter wines for Trumpet Drinking. Uh, recommendations piece for decanter magazine didn't i you did, uh, which yeah. is actually funny enough an article thinking about it which has, which has loads of relevant tips here we're talking about cool climate lower yeah. alcohol so they wines. were all 12 percent and below yeah weren't they? That's, that's right wasn't so it? decanter and what I do light is I, wines for summer i drinking. will put that on the show notes so you can yeah. see that article and some sort of naturally lighter yeah. wines for recommendations but, but at the moment obviously we said we'd look properly at properly yeah. low alcohol stuff so here so so we are talking 0.5 percent or less ideally naught mm. percent yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so so beyond the wines we just mentioned yeah. what else not necessarily mm. wines what mm. else have we right. found well, that we liked what I have you got just, there i'm just going to pour something here oh, just we a like little this, hint yeah. here we go here we go <laughs> it's a very elegant bottle which looks like champagne this is the fortnum and mason sparkling tea it's really nice isn't it uh, and it's blended from a fine selection of organic black white green teas is what it says 
It's all right, isn't it? Well, I I liked it for its um, exuberance. You know, it's it's quite um, it's quite exotic. There was some sort of lemongrass and kaffir lime leaf about it, so really quite mm. exotic. It's dry. It doesn't have loads of weight in the, in mm. your mid palate. It doesn't have a great finish, but it's just very easy, dry, fizzy. It's, it's quite joyous. It's, it's, it's really aromatic. Yeah. As you say, it's almost yeah. sort of jasmine-y, um, but not in a bad way. Yeah. And then it is quite dry yeah. and you've got a little bit of tannin from, I guess, from the, from the tea. Yeah, yeah. So it, it feels quite sort of, there's really, a little I, bit I, of bitterness. And, you, you know, I would one. say for summer as well, particularly, yeah. that's a, mm. a lovely drink. It's a bit expensive was our only, only um, yeah, what is problem it? 16 with it. 1650. 1650. 1650. Bit expensive. I think that's but, you too know, expensive. It depends I mean, the, how you look at it. The pricing issue is a big one when it comes to this stuff. I think, you know, it is true. Seedlip has shown us, you know, if you yeah. you need to feel special. If you're going yeah. no-low, you want to feel special. So, But at the same time, you spending want kind a bit of... is fine. Yeah. You, know, you don't want this. If this was at two quid, you'd think, oh, yeah. that's just, you know. I think maybe it so could sit ha- more special. happily around 10. What do we think it? in terms of 10? 10, 10, 10, yeah. I'd say 8 yeah. to 10 would be yeah. better for this. Anyway, but, moving on. Um, with the, another problem... We, actually, one, sorry, okay. before you move sorry? on with that, just one point. I also just, I, I do just worry, and I might be massively misinformed here, but if I'm having this drink of an evening... I would be a little bit worried about caffeine. Does, does this have caffeine in it or not? Mm. I mean, I, I assume it would, but I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's just a worry with, with the tea-based, uh, you know, options. Yeah. I don't want to be having massive amounts of caffeine before I get to bed, mm. for example, if I'm having this in the evening. So anyway, this is something we need to look into. I don't into. know. I don't we know need to does, look into. But, We'd have to ask the question. But it is a really nice drink and yes, a really nice alternative. Nice. Yeah. So another another brand, well, not brand new, but but quite new product is a Duke's Cordialities. Yeah. Um, these are this really imaginative, yeah. uh, intriguing. Um, they're, they're actually the brainchild of, of a fellow wine writer mm. uh, and colleague of ours, Matthew Jukes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what these are, to try and explain, t- tiny little bottles, 30 milliliter bottles. They're, they're weenie, aren't they? They're weenie. I've got one here. Uh, just little bottles. Um, and they are Thank full you. of a little cordial. Yeah. Um, there's number, Matthew's numbered them. Number one, which is white. Number two, which is the bright red. And number six, which is the red. And what you do is you mm. mix um, half the bottle. You can mix the whole bottle, but half the bottle with 125 mils of of either still water or sparkling water, or if you want to, tonic. And they're made from all natural ingredients. What they're based on is an apple cider vinegar and brown sugar mix. Mm-hmm. So you get a bit of that. So the acidity from the, the vinegar and mm. also a little bit of warmth in your throat. And you get the sugar to give you a little bit more sort of texture. Mm. So th- this is aiming to be an alternative to wine, isn't it? Particularly when yeah. you mix with a still water. Exactly. If you mix it with sparkling with sparkling water, it can almost be like a, a sparkling wine. Yeah. But actually, we found it was really interesting because not many solutions are still. A lot of no and low options are actually fizzy. Yes. So yeah, it's, yeah. And yeah. obviously, what you like about wine is yeah. you can sit down and, I, I don't know about you, but yeah. you know, the gassy stuff, the fizzy stuff is great as yeah. an aperitif. But actually, when you sit down with a meal... You tend to want something that's you not might sparkling. Want something, well, yeah. Most, most I mean, usually. To be so fair, it's nice they, to have that option yeah. here. I mean, they've got a little bit of a vinegary note to them, mm, um, mm. which might be, you know, slightly oh, off-putting. I think it's a, that's a personal but thing. It's you a know, personal if, if you thing. react against that, you're very yeah. sensitive to it. They can be quite yeah. But what we loved, actually, one, I think one of our favourite options was to mix the, the bright red with tonic mm, and, and yeah. have it as a, a have it as, a, as an aperitif. And it was really nice. Yeah, that's really it, was, it was really joyful and summer, yeah. kind of summery. And, and so, um, so, yeah, so, so dukescordialities.com for those. Yeah, and they're about 35 quid. 35 pounds for, for nine bottles. Not so a that pack would be of nine bottles. They're 18 very smart. Drinks. They come in a very smart Yeah, box. They, they look um, great. It's they about really 18 do. drinks, isn't it? You yeah. Know, they're 30, they are tiny, but yes. So, there we go. I wanted to mention acorn bitter oh yeah uh, it's yeah, okay yeah. so so yeah. it's a spin-off from seedlip but made with um english uh, wine grapes grown in sussex apparently you know they're not fermented so it's not a it's not a sort of wine in that sense but it is i think targeted at wine drinkers so it's 
unfermented uh, English wine grapes uh, aromatised with herbs and botanicals. And there's various different flavours. But I was going to say our favourite was the bitter, the bitter, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, which kind of, it's got kind of fruity, cherry, almost kind of oaky character, orange peel as well. It's sort of like a vermouth, um, but you, you, you put it with a little bit of sparkling water, almost like a spritz. Yeah. And it's really quite nice. I think a lot of the times when we're trying to recreate wine, it's, it is that element of bitterness, or mm. elegant bitterness, mm. not mm. too sweet, which is really, yeah. really key. And I think that does it really pretty well. It's about 20 quid for 50 centiliters from Waitrose. And I think that's why beer has done done well, because it's not sweet. You exactly. know, and in, yeah. in, you know, none of the beers that we've tried, the non-alcoholic beers, mm. are sweet. We tried one yeah. just recently, unlimited we beer. Got one here, we? uh, we've got yeah. one, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, a bottle of it, which was was great. And you know, really, when you smell it, when you when you initially taste it, it's just so like. Uh, uh, an alcoholic beer. To be fair here, we're talking yeah. about unlimited and I think uh, it's about £2.30 a bottle, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, about that, There are lots of beers. Yeah, I mean, beer so is, beers, is yeah. the way to we, go we, if we you really want really choice. We can't really go into it here and we're not beer no. experts, but but we do there's, we do like a good there's beer. There's loads. I mean, I, have, you know, just Google them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the way we did try, the uh, we talked to the, 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 the founder of um, Big Drop yeah. Didn't we? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, and we we tried their. We really love their IPA, IPA and brown ale. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think they're not and a half percent. But James Kindred, who's the fan, he said they actually use lactose um, to get the mouthfeel yeah. uh, and help boost the flavour. And they're working on a, a vegan alternative as well. But that's just one idea about how you can use techniques yeah. To, yeah. To, 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 to make these drinks work you know uh, small beer is it's another, another really name, good name yeah. isn't it to be fair I, don't, I think we shouldn't not, really mention two or three that, because there Unlimited are tons of them aren't UNLTD yeah. was yeah. really it's a good new good, it's a new one and it was really really uh, really good. enjoyable we've got yeah. photos yeah, yeah. up on, yeah. on, on, yeah. on the show notes finally I just wanted to mention again my favourite which is Seedlip at the moment Seedlip Grove for me what works about this Seedlip Grove 42 is one of three Seedlips I love it with cucumber tonic, as I said in my interview with, with Stuart, uh, with ice and a, a, a just a, a sort of a, a slice of, of orange zest. And mm. it is just such a great drink. And I genuinely look forward to that on my nights off. Yeah, um, which is really Perhaps important. not as much as a glass of wine. No, but, um, but you need to find something that works for you. But it's and, got a lovely orangey for... feel. It's bitter. Mm. You know, you put it with some tonic and I, I yeah. personally love cucumber so that cucumber tonic works really well yeah so refreshing. i have it i have it without i have it, you with, have it normal, with normal tonic tonic which so it is one of my favorites that is, is, yeah. it, it works yeah, yeah. for both and and also we did try it with caleno which is another kind of take yeah. on on the seed a little you bit know, more tropical isn't it that was almost like if you want you know if you wanted to imagine yourself on your on your desert island or in hawaii <laughs> you'd, you'd buy the caleno because you get that sense of tropicality anyway but that's the one we the seed lip yeah. with tonic is actually the one we, we, we that's our go-to yeah, isn't it really? it is our go-to yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i mean there's there's so many of these drinks coming on stream there are lots stuart mentioned Try, liar, try, 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 try. Um, yes, keep actually, an eye, liar, liar, all these things. Range. I mean, we're often putting stuff out on our social media, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah. can I just end? We'll just end this, this, this mini tasting with Hugh Johnson's famous words, uh, which I quote in my article on this. You know, he just said, "I drink spritzes, and no one seems to mind." I just love that image <laughs> so, of Hugh drinking. There spritzes. we are, John. Another another solution for Aww. you. You know, do our happy medium. That photo four on three off approach <laughs> and enjoy your full fat wines but also have time off in between absolutely or do, yeah, or do the yeah, Hugh Johnson approach yeah. whatever now just, just, I just wanted to go back to some some stats actually um, just out of interest really for, for our listeners mm. um, the, the CAM stats KM stats um, 98% 98% of people who switched to no and low in 2020 have said they will continue to do so in 2021 so mm. it looks like lockdown habits are 
to some extent going to endure. Mm. Um, I mean, I think the, the biggest fear people have about trying no and low products is that they're not going to like the taste. Mm. So if we can keep moving towards better and better taste with the, the producers that are making these drinks, then people don't have a problem with drinking them. It's it just, just they want a decent it, something that tastes good. It definitely seems to be a trend that's going to grow and grow. So it's, yeah. it's something definitely to look into. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to get more and more super tasty things, you know, out there. But it is... I mean, I saw something from um, uh, Fact.mr, a market intelligence company, saying that the no and low wine, mar- wine market, no and low wine, not, not, not drinks, be, wine, not just drinks yeah. wine, $10 billion by, by next year. Wow. Actually, by this year. By, by, 20, this, by, by the 20, end of this year. By the end yeah. of this year. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's going to grow and grow. Gosh. Let's, you know, it, it's worth checking out. Yeah, Especially for us indeed. wine lovers looking to just moderate a little bit. <laughs> so, John, <laughs> on which note, I hope we've managed to, to answer your question about how to drink less but not sacrifice the flavour or, or enjoyment. Um, mm. I think we've given you a few, few options, ideas there. Um, and the key is always just to find what works for you and go with that, obviously. Mm. Mm. Um, it could, I suppose it could even be a, a lockdown project, trying new things, mm. shaking up your drinking patterns and habits, um, just, just finding a new approach or your own happy medium yeah well said you know and don't forget good resources like drinkaware um you know most countries have got some helpful resources on this front uh, we're also going to put that article i wrote for decanter which i mentioned on this subject on our show notes so there's more info on there uh, and recommendations as well uh, and you can expect more uh, from us on this subject mm-hmm. in due course mm-hmm. you know i'm not going to say what exactly but we have some plans we do indeed <laughs> uh, so thanks thanks to john for the question to Stuart elkington and cecilia pratt and thanks to you for listening uh, please do leave a positive rating or review even though we've gone skinny on you <laughs> we've let you down <laughs> <That's> <laughs> anyway happy drinking stay safe and cheers mm-hmm.